Hey everyone, you're listening to another episode of Big Shiny Takes. I'm one of your co-hosts, Eric Wickham, and I'm joined, as always, by my two friends, Marino Greco, mm-hmm. and the pride of Edmonton, Alberta, Jeremy Appel. Hi, I'm an Edmontonian now. I stand with Ukraine. <laughs> And, uh, and we're also joined by a very special guest, uh, one of the former hosts of Dog Island, um, a Twitter, I would say a small Twitter celebrity, actually, one of my favorite posters on the uh, Cursed Bird app, Andrew Neville. Hello. What's up? I have this like studio recording now. It's like above a bar that I also like work at sometimes. And downstairs, they're having a cribbage tournament right now, but it's like... A Budweiser, it's it's like a Budweiser themed cribbage tournament in <laughs> memoriam of this like guy who passed away earlier this year who lived in the sort of like assisted living facility across the street named Popeye. And he would come in and just like sit at the bar and order Bud and play cribbage. But it's like a Bud themed cribbage tournament. And then also all of the music they're playing is music that has been featured in Budweiser commercials. So I got bad mindset right now. Is all. That's why I said what's up, I think. I apologize. You don't have to apologize. Anyway, hey. Wow, so nice to be here on Big Shiny Cakes. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to speak for everybody on the show, but if I went and there was a cribbage tournament in my honor, I would feel pretty good about it. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone deserves their, like, Tom Sawyer moment of seeing that. It's like, you know, that's what you want. <laughs> from the universe yeah Yeah. and i mean my goal i'm aiming low is i just don't want people to feel relieved when i go you know i don't want to (laughs) (laughs) suffering is over (laughs) is he finally (laughs) no more confusion (laughs) i mean the big news out of the the institute this past little bit is that uh we finally have one of our senior fellows out in edmonton now uh jeremy jeremy how's the weather out there uh, it's cold. I'm sure you've been seeing my frozen beard pics. Yeah, it's yeah. very cold. In fact, tomorrow it's going to be like minus 40 or something. So I'm not leaving my apartment, though. Come think of it, I need to get cat food. So uh, never mind. It's been like minus 36 and worse, like for a week now, right? Well, no, no, it hasn't. It's been like minus 20, but, you know, it's a dry cold. So. <laughs> So it's fine. It's great, actually. You can you can go outside in sandals and a t-shirt because it's dry. It's tropical. Marino, I feel like I haven't let you talk at all. Um, what's up with you right now? Oh, not too much. I have I am like getting over a pretty righteous cold. So if I don't say too much this episode, uh, uh, that's the reason. And also. Don't give me a hard time for not reading Jakarta Method. Okay, so that that's good because I, I had almost forgot to uh, do uh, j- this week's Jakarta Watch. So mm-hmm. how many pages have you read since we last recorded? Oh, I don't even know, man. I haven't opened the book in like a month. Mm-hmm. So zero. That, that's zero. All right, well, if you're listening, <laughs> please do bully Marino about it. This book is like 300 pages. It's not long. And I feel like Marino... If you don't read the book, you are basically doing imperialism mm. that's yeah. true that's so true <laughs> it's like, like, why why won't you finish it you know what are you afraid of i'm afraid of challenging my how i benefit from the status quo yeah i'm afraid yeah. that if i finish the book like all my earthly possessions will evaporate well that's very fun but we're not here to talk about edmonton we're not here to talk about marino not reading the jakarta method 
We are here to talk about the very sad state of opinion columns in the country of Canada. And we've got an old favorite up on deck today. It's a fellow by the name of Adam Zevo, who <laughs> really is making a name for himself in the worst way in uh, the Canadian news space. Andrew, have you ever come across Adam Zevo before? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, a whole bunch. Uh, I'm a big fan. Um, like, I think he's really filled an important niche sort of in the opinosphere uh, in Canada. And I'm, I'm like really grateful for his voice. I think sort of before that, it was really hard for me to know who to hate. <laughs> I was like, oh, I hate this guy. Uh, and um, I know you guys have covered him before, but I think he's like a really, he's really fascinating because he really did just come out of nowhere. And he's really, I think he's like awesome in a certain way in that, like in the biblical sense where he is like <laughs> inspires like, f like fear and wonder. Yeah. I, I am in I guess, <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, he's like just a fucking maniac. So like, last, last time we, we discussed the column of his, I had assumed because he's writing about cops and pride that he wasn't in Ukraine anymore. I have since learned that he still is in Ukraine and he is writing uh, about woke culture and like how crime in cities is rampant from Kiev, from the front lines. That's so cool. Of the battle for Western civilization. Yeah. <laughs> how do you, sorry, like, how do you know that he's still in Ukraine? Like, am I wrong? Is he not still in Ukraine? I, I don't know. I haven't seen anything from his account because we got blocked the last thing that really surfaced was this column that we're going to cover today i'm going to check his instagram see where he's at <laughs> oh yeah that's so, a good idea i'm not blocked on instagram so his instagram i was looking at his stories right now um it seems like he so his first his so he's got four recent stories the first one is a series of screenshots uh, from the children's television uh, show uh, Justice League Unlimited. Okay. Um, <laughs> and it's the Christmas episode when Superman takes Martian Manhunter home to the Kent farm for Christmas. <laughs> so he's got some screen. He's got some screen caps from that. And uh, it's got Pa Kent saying, "Little guy was crazy for Christmas. We used to wrap the presents in lead foil so he couldn't peek." And then Clark Kent Superman says, you mean Santa wrapped them? So, you know, a little. But then the very next story is a, like, WhatsApp screenshot where he says, missiles incoming, expecting power outages. Let's meet at the gym at 7. <laughs> and then the response is, yes, 7 p.m. I'm in shelter now. <laughs> so it seems like he's still there. He Then he's got, like, a, a tweet. I don't care about his tweets. And then, like. Another Instagram story from like an what looks like an internet cafe, presumably in Kiev, and like everyone's on their laptops, everyone's got drinks. It just looks like a normal coffee shop, but there's like maybe a few more extension cords than normal. It looks kind of nice. Like I would do work there for sure. Just like plants. It looks like it's snowing. Like no one looks panicked, but I guess there's missiles incoming. You know, not my place. It's you know, not my not my fight. But yeah, that he is still in Kiev. Unless, you know, somewhere in, you know, the greater Toronto area is under threat of also missiles. Also being hitting. bombed. Yeah. 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 Um, God willing, you know. <laughs> well, according to his Twitter, which I've opened in uh, incognito mode, he's in Odessa. 
Oh, he's in Odessa. Yeah. And uh, yeah, his most recent tweet from 11 hours ago is underreported aspect of power shortages. The scent of gasoline is commonplace due to all the generators keeping stores electrified. Oh, generators use gas. Oh. And then uh, Russia continues its mission to make Mondays as miserable as possible. Ukraine needs to remain resilient as always. That's some fucking great uh, war reporting right there. That's Gar- like Garfield embedded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I know we're not here to talk about the war. We're here to talk about some other stuff. But just as an aside, like, it is remarkable in a certain way. Like, this is the first, I guess, like, publicly broadcast war of, of like, our time, of this era. And it's, like, a war between, like, a war in sort of, like, a Western nation. And it's funny how much stuff is about just, like, we got to keep shopping like we got to keep the stores open and it's like it's really i don't know what to make of it it's just like a very uh it's like a very fascinating part of the war that i've like noted it is like an incredibly strange thing because i mean there's like a level of mundanity to some of the stuff you see on twitter i mean you get the the very grisly stuff but um i didn't realize it was going to be this weird it's so weird I, I guess that's just naivete on my part. It's just so incoherent in online spaces. Like this has been this has been really really tough to keep track of. You know, so you don't see it, too many people wearing masks on the battlefield. It's true. It's a little problematic. It's a little ableist. That is true. I'm glad you <laughs> said that. I guess it's like I I think about like if you know Halifax where I live was suddenly like under sort of like pseudo occupation or even like you know under threat of bombing i'm like would i be worried about going to the gym (laughs) it's like a question i have to ask or like the bar or like the like i I guess you know you wanted your life to remain like kind of normal and like you know not not i'm sure like if you live in odessa or kiev or whatever right now like probably i'm sure it fucking sucks but like i I, it's just like such a strange impulse to me to be like no we gotta like go to the mall today i'm like i I feel like i just it's very strange to me i mean who knows like i might i love the mall i went to the mall over like the worst parts of the pandemic all the time so like who the fuck knows (laughs) i guess but to add on to the weirdness i mean we have a culture war pundit from canada there talking about uh encampment evictions and crime waves in vancouver from like a cafe in odessa or something i don't know like i i almost disassociate thinking about like the concept of him sitting there having a coffee in a war zone writing just like national post nonsense yeah it's uh it's real weird he's awesome he's a cool guy (laughs) so like we have like a a little bit of a a history with zivo so the first episode we ever did on his writing i think was his piece celebrating the encampment evictions in Toronto as a victory for the working class, you know, not mentioning the fact that, you know, people living in the encampments are working class. Then the second one that we read was uh, an argument appealing to uh, allowing the Toronto police back at pride, Mm -hmm. which again is just like kind of a brain dead take in very 1990s and Adam Zivo is like the safest thing for the National Post. Uh, Adam Zivo, yeah. like he will never put a toe out of line. 
he's on board with everything that the the absolute ghouls that run the thing um, want him to say. Yeah, I mean, he'd fit right in uh, in the Globe and Mail editorial page, right? I mean, you know, he's got that sort of mild-mannered, center-right disposition, but it's all the same uh, slop at the end of the day. It's like, it's unhinged, though. (laughs) The stuff that he Mm -hmm. writes is really poorly constructed. He's an awful writer. That's the funniest thing is, like, he's not... He's not a good writer. Mm-mm. He's not a he's he's not even a very like we'll get I guess we'll get into this with a particular article, but like he's not good at like facts. Like he he just is like kind of a liar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like like I, I know there's been a lot of like humming and hawing on like Twitter the last few weeks about like who is and isn't a journalist. Um but, like this motherfucker's not a journalist. <laughs> No, yeah, like, no, this case is like, not journalism. And it's funny, like, you know, there's there's so much arguing about like the place of independent media in the like sphere of journalism. And then you've got this guy who is like I guess very clearly like does not have the like credentials, but is still given like these major columns and major newspapers. Um despite the fact that like everything he says is like kind of bullshit. And it's like I mean, like his existence alone, like I think, really undoes the argument about the difference between like legacy and like new media, because it's just like, well, he's part of the legacy media now, but he's like just absolutely fucking full of shit. <laughs> and then you like you see like Rex Murphy rail against the Toronto like media, and it's like you are the Toronto media. You are the yeah, Rex. That's your fu- that's like every fucking home you own is because you're the Toronto media, buddy. Yeah, and literally all the editorial shots uh, for Post Media are called from Toronto, forcing uh, you know their both their newspapers in Alberta to endorse the UCP. I, I mean, that's that's being cooked up uh, at uh, Sherborne and Bloor, I believe, is where their office is. Sounds about right. Um, yeah, next time I'm in town, we should go uh, piss on it. Yeah, that'd be fun. Bloor's a yeah. classic street. Yes, <laughs> it's, we all love Bloor. Uh, it's one of the goaded streets. You know, it's always like these. <laughs> it's always like these figures, like Adam Zivo or Robin Urbach or Max Fawcett, and like centrist columnists who are elevated out of the independent media sphere into like the legitimate jobs. You know, well, I, I would say the difference between Urbach and Zivo, who I agree are definitely cut from the same cloth, and Fawcett mm-hmm. is is Fawcett just takes the right-wing position and left-wing position, and then with his Solomonic uh, wisdom, just takes the middle ground, right? Um, (laughs) Whereas with Urbach and Zevo, it's more using the tone of centrism to sort of inch the discussion closer and closer rightwards, right? So Mm. I would say they have a much more pernicious effect than someone like Fawcett, who, of course, uh, we have uh, been very critical of and... uh, remain so yeah Mm -hmm. and deservedly so right um zivo is is also interesting because he came from like the the corporate non-profit space like he he did like an event at we day yeah yeah Um, yeah. he's been to we day (laughs) which is very funny and he 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 knows where the he knows where the bodies are buried he also uh he also interned at nato which is really fun yeah he's like a nato he's not a fellow but he's like some He's like, you know, there's a page about him on their website. That's 
That's adorable. Yeah, I saw David Pugliese post that when he got in a little exchange. So good. It was <laughs> that was very fun. This piece, I think, I think Andrew nailed it earlier. Really, really shows why Adam Zivo is not a journalist. This opinion piece didn't make it into the National Post, which actually makes me a little bit suspicious that maybe it didn't reach their incredibly low editorial standards. Because this is a column that was published in the Daily Hive, which is like a narcity or like a, a six buzz equivalent of just like kind of like viral news, like listicles and stuff that's happening in the city. They published an Adam Zevo column. And I mean, it's supposed to be a data journalism piece, but it's kind of vibes based data journalism. Yeah, it's I, like I read it. That's when I, have, I like read it when it came out the other week and I read it again the other day when Jeremy reached out to me. And then I was like, had it open tonight uh, da- at the bar downstairs. And I, one of my friends was bartending and I was like, you got to read this. <laughs> like, or she, I was just like, I didn't even tell her. I was just like talking to her and she was like, I want to read it. And I pulled it up and she was like, yeah, as soon as I got to the numbers, I just, I can't read it anymore. I think honestly that probably protected Zevo from like the level of scrutiny that it deserved because this is this is i think the worst piece that we'll read this year it's got the same energy as the like that scott stein have you ever seen that scott yes. steiner clip where he's like talking about like matt like it's like literally like i was reading i was like this is exactly the same as him talking about like the odds of him winning it like just fucking insane you should put that clip in right now <laughs> So, Andrew, we usually let the guest read the piece. Just to preface, uh, this did not have the headline that it has right now. Right now, the headline is, Opinion, Public Sentiments on Vancouver's Crime Wave Matter. But uh, if you check the Wayback Machine on November 24th, (laughs) the day before, you know, the headline has changed, uh, the original headline was, Statistics Show Vancouver's Crime Wave is Real. (laughs) <laughs> awesome <laughs> and so Freaking. i'm gonna say awesome a lot yeah. <laughs> i i don't want to tell the listener how to think but i guess we'll let zivo make the argument for himself yeah it's a it's a trip so this yeah let's start um this is adam zivo for a daily hive um a great website <laughs> New polling data shows that an overwhelming majority of Vancouverites feel that crime is getting worse and that homelessness is to blame. The city's crime wave is real, even if a contingent of politicians and activists want to gaslight Vancouverites (laughs) into believing otherwise. (laughs) Awesome start so far. (laughs) Like right into his feelings, Uh, though. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You're lying to me. <laughs> it's I know it's real because I feel this way. Is a great way to start yeah. a data based piece. I think. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's it's a really it's insane. Earlier this month, a poll conducted by Ledger for Post Media, so awesome respondents, I'm sure, showed that 58 percent of Canadians believe that homelessness is an issue in their community. 46 percent feel less safe in their community because of homelessness, and 39 percent believe that homelessness has led to more violence in their community. In Brit, I was just gonna say, like, 58 percent of people thinking that homelessness is an issue is a lot different than 39 percent believing that homelessness has led to more violence, right? Like. It can be an issue because you don't like seeing people unhoused, right? Like, yeah, like I 
agree that homelessness is an issue. <laughs> uh, because I think those guys should have homes. <laughs> yes, yes. But like, and, and this is like the start of the logical leaps, which increase in size throughout this piece until, I mean, it's it's like lift off at a certain point. Um, yeah, it's, it becomes like bigger than any container could hold. <laughs> So, in British Columbia, the numbers are much worse. 87% felt that homeless... Homeless? 87% felt that homeless, that homeless was an issue. Incredible. Uh, 70% felt less safe, and 72% felt that homelessness has led to more local violence. These numbers are astounding. But let's... But let's dive deeper into this. Oh, we're doing a deep dive. Oh, I can't wait. All right. So here's where it gets just fucking just goes off the rails. And it's it's so good. Yeah. First, let's illustrate a point about statistics using a thought experiment. So right away in a, again, like in a supposedly data driven piece, they're like, we're going to do a thought experiment. We're going to make, <laughs> we're going to make something up to like qualify the thing we're talking about, uh, which is good. That's good science. That's good. It's uh, it is really funny. It's good. So first, let's illustrate a point about statistics using a thought experiment. Imagine that when polling 100 people, 20% tell you they have recently felt threatened and 10% tell you that they were recently punched in the face. <laughs> Imagine if you will, like just like the start of a Twilight Zone episode. It's incredible. Everyone in Vancouver is getting punched. <laughs> one in ten people punched in the head. One in ten, yeah, one in ten people. Babies, knockout game, dogs is going off. <laughs> yes, you can fairly assume that most that you can fairly assume that almost all of the people who were punched in the face belong to the subpopulation of respondents who said they'd felt threatened, because it's hard to imagine that someone was punched in the face but didn't feel threatened. I mean, I, I I'm different, but. <laughs> exactly like i i like the idea of just being punched in the face and being cool about it but like yeah. these are imaginary people like this is yeah no one's been punched no one no none of the data suggests i mean not to say that someone hasn't but like like it's it's incredible because he's immediately like it's a confusing read because he's injecting this made-up thing about people being punched and it's like we'll get we'll get into it. It's like it's so fucked. It's interesting because it's a microcosm of how they think of homeless people. They're violent in like the sort of vacuum just because they're homeless with no connection of like the material need for things. No, people are just going out there punching people in the face or something. Like that's yeah, the risk. Because they want to. Yeah. It's it's like pretty gross, actually. Yeah. We're laughing, but it's like fucking disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so now you, so now you have twenty people who felt threatened of which 10 were punched in the face and 80 people who did not feel threatened, of which zero were punched in the face. Presumptuous. So the face punching rate is 50% for the first group and 0% for the second group. Making these kinds of distinctions gives more insight than simply looking at the 10% average face punching rate across the entire population. He's, he's, he's set the FPR for the community at 50%. Of it's fucked. <laughs> Now let's apply that kind of approach to the ledger poll. The full data behind the poll isn't publicly available, so we have to rely on educated guesses. He's just throwing numbers around. It's the, it's the 33 to 3rd, Scott. It's exactly that. It's exactly that. It's 
so good. It's so perfect. It seems safe to assume that an overwhelming majority of Canadians who had concerns about their personal safety or perceived increased violence also said that homelessness was an issue. For the sake of simplicity, let's say there was a hundred percent. Reality is messier. Okay. Reality is messier, but no need to get bogged down in a methodological <laughs> quagmire right now. Of course not. You fucking dipshit. So I just, I just want to say something um, in case Adam actually stumbles onto this podcast, which I mean, he might because he's been through our Twitter feeds before. Oh, he it's your searches for sure. Yeah, uh, Adam, it's your job to report on reality. It's messy. That's why it's a hard job. That's what you're supposed to be doing. So there's a bunch of like graphs. There's the ledger poll. Um, then there's a <laughs> chart that Adam made in Google Docs <laughs> or like sheets. I guess Google Sheets probably. And then there's like some Venn diagrams he made. Those are the best. Uh, yeah. The, the best. Yeah. So there's a big circle that says not threatened. And then a smaller circle that says threatened. And within the smaller circle, there's a smaller yet circle that says punished. <laughs> uh, and then below it to sort of like illustrate he's the comparison he's trying to make between the like between his imaginary data set and this real this like real real but also like dubious data set from this post media poll. Uh, homelessness, not issue in a, in a smaller circle. Homelessness, an issue in a slightly larger circle, and then a smaller circle inside that. It says homelessness led to increased violence. So, and then below it, it, it says Adam Zevo daily high, uh, <laughs> just in case someone yeah, took it. Yeah, in case <laughs> academics right. want to cite it in their uh, research papers, <laughs> which they should and will hopefully. <laughs> Uh, hopefully this goes to like this. We get some like Fraser Institute policy out of this. Uh, <laughs> it's, I, God, I should have said that. I'm sorry. No, no. I think that would be it. Would be incredible to see this get cited in you know a think tank study oh, sponsored God. by you know the oil and gas industry. I do. I do like the idea that three circles you know mean something to Adam, which because like one's larger and the other is smaller and the other one exists inside the other one like i I think it's like it's the five two to one ratio that he's trying to display here but like what's the takeaway supposed to be how is anyone supposed to see this thing and go oh oh threatened yeah i don't know what the thing is like i've read this three or four times and i'm still like not quite sure what the point he's making overall is but we'll continue to read anyway i guess so under our 100% overlap assumption, it seems that of the 58% of Canadians who feel that homelessness is an issue in their community, roughly 79% felt less safe in their community and 67% perceived more community violence. If you look at just BC, of the 87% of respondents who felt that homelessness was an issue, roughly 80% felt less safe and 83% perceived more community violence. Like, I'm going like cross-eyed looking at this. It's like it's felt less safe or like perceived more community violence. There's, there's crime statistics. I mean, yeah, like these are, these aren't real things. Like you can't, you can't quantify the vibe. Like it's, (laughs) it's impossible. Like over the, the past, you know, decade in Canada across the board, crime rates have decreased. And this is probably why Adam went with an opinion poll because otherwise it would uh, pop a giant hole in his, like, theory. 
um, that mm -hmm. uh, homeless people are committing crimes and uh, cities are unsafe now, which is just like the talking points in the states. And yes, and, and like, I guess they're trying to import it into Canada now. But it like if this is the the person trying to make it happen here, like it's not going to work because this is this is the worst column I've seen all year. It's bad. It may be the worst well, column I've ever seen. Like, like I don't no. know what's more embarrassing: the fact that Adam Zebo wrote it, or that Daily Hive just just published it. Like, the, the, they clearly didn't edit it. No, no. Well, I mean, if you look like again, like you guys said, this is like a narcissist, narcissity style. Like, their other things are like, wow, look how cool this vacation home is, or like. <laughs> This is a cool hotel or like new H&M opens in Metro. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like that's they don't have an editor. No. He probably got paid like $100 for this. I I honestly I really do feel like this got this got up to like Carson Jeremum at the National Post and he went this is really, really shitty, and I will not run this. Sorry, yeah, Adam. Yeah, it's like yeah. I want the shittiest take you have. <laughs> no, that's too <laughs> shitty. Too shitty. But I also don't think Carson Jerma is any editorial standards beyond uh, what his bosses in Toronto uh, tell him to publish. So, uh, yeah, I don't know why he slept on this one. Yeah. I was going to say, like, legitimately, it feels so dubious that, like, I don't think you could publish this in, like, the paper of record, regardless of, like, the politics of that paper. Like, the way they're treating data is, like, just it's just fucked. He couldn't even center punched in the circle. It's like off center. I'm staring at it right now. It is, it's incredible. Like everything, <laughs> everything about this. It's is like cool. high school quality. It's the yeah. room. Like it. Yeah. It's like that kind of like Tommy Wiseau. If he wrote a news column, this is what it would look like. No, come on. It would be better. It would be funnier. We're not even. We're not even into the best parts yet. We're not. It gets so much. Better. <laughs> okay. What can we tell from this? Well, first of all. If you're a British Columbian who believes that homelessness is an issue, you're as likely to feel unsafe as the average Canadian, 79% versus 80%. Homelessness is obviously a much larger issue in BC, but the rate at which people feel unsafe seems consistent. <laughs> it, I guess it seems. I mean, yeah, because it's not a, it's not real. Uh, not to say, I mean, not to say like people feeling unsafe isn't a thing. Like I, but like. You're not necessarily like feeling unsafe and being unsafe are obviously like very different. Things. And it's also anyway. it's interesting how when it's like trans people uh, feeling unsafe, then it's like, oh, suck it up. Right. Yeah. World doesn't revolve around you. But then when it's like people who are scared of homeless people or like pro-Israel students on university campuses, then it's like, wow, these people are really in danger and uh, we need to support them in every way that we can. Yeah, we need to round up all the homeless people to make the taxpayers feel safe, right? Listen, when I'm out drinking in Gastown and I'm, you know, buying $300 worth of Manhattans or whatever, like, I don't want to feel, I don't want to, like, have to give a guy a dollar. <laughs> and being asked for that dollar makes me feel unsafe. Yeah, it's, it. sorry, go ahead. I used to live at, like, uh, Young and Eglinton. And it was pretty big in the news. They opened like one of those temporary shelters and there was like a, a protest and a counter protest. I was obviously on the side of, you know, let them be here. And everyone on the other side was clearly people who sort of just didn't want, I, you got the vibe that they just didn't want 
homeless people in the area. It's like, why are homeless yeah, people that's their in only argument. Midtown? You know, the argument was like, yeah, it's less safe here, but it's like, what, what cry? Like, you could not feel more safe in Toronto than it, like, this well lit, extremely, like, at this point, gentrified part of. Yeah. This is, this is the point, though, that Andrew made earlier that, like, Adam just makes this logical leap that homelessness equals crime. Mm. Um, and it's like, you can't just do that. Like it's just because you feel scared doesn't mean that like, uh, yeah. it's like, that's actually, no, there was no crime. Yeah. It's like, like, it's not our fault. You're a coward is basically where I'm at right now with this. Right. Like, where are they going to go? So some portion of Canadians seem to feel unsafe because of homelessness, even if homelessness hasn't increased community violence. <laughs> this group's yeah, there's the, you're done. Even it's, if they're stupid. It's, yeah. It's, this group seems somewhat paranoid about homeless people. We can call them Karens. This is a real column talking about Karens. Yeah, I know. I also like he's like contradict it's like, yeah, you're right. Like it's, I don't know what the fuck his point is. Homeless advocates like to argue that public safety concerns predominantly come from Karens. However, <laughs> while Karens exist, this uh, Jesus Christ, <laughs> this is the most egregious use of numbers so far. <laughs> However, while Karens exist, they seem to constitute only around fifteen percent <laughs> of the Canadians who who say they feel unsafe because of homelessness. What? However, in BC, the Karen population doesn't seem significant at all. Like, what the fuck? What is that based on? Like, show your work, Adam. Like, how how did you get 15? Anyway, the number of British Columbians who said they feel unsafe was almost the same as the number who said they perceived increased community violence. Therefore, the number of Karens, people who feel unsafe but don't perceive increased violence, seems negligible. Smearing public safety advocates as Karens doesn't seem to really work in BC. Now, keep in mind, all of the analysis presented so far is just based on one poll, and polls can be wrong. That's why it matters that Angus Reid conducted a separate poll in October that's largely consisted with the Ledger findings. In the Angus Reid poll, respondents were asked to identify which two issues were most important to them. Housing policy dominated Vancouverites' concerns, with 57% listing it as a top two priority. However, homelessness and poverty came second at 38%, followed by crime and safety at 28%. As well, 59% of Vancouverites said that crime has increased in the past five years, compared to only 12% who believe it has decreased. Another 27% felt that crime stayed the same. How many paragraphs did it take him to be like, now, polls, I mean, aren't always reliable. <laughs> polls are actually bullshit. And, and now, imagine <laughs> it's, it's, if you just make shit up, extrapolate, like, fake data based on polls. <laughs> in a column that is only using polls as a source like there's nothing else in here but like feelings from people that read post media papers taking the angus and ledger polls together it seems fair to estimate that roughly two-thirds of vancouverites are feeling deeply distressed about violent homelessness and crime Home, again it's like even just saying like deeply yeah, just, it's, it's like, like something you're like waking up every day if i'm deeply distressed about something like it's pervasive like yeah it's very leading language yeah homeless advocates homeless advocates have often argued that the crime wave is just a hallucination something conjured up in the minds of confused citizens whose minds it's funny to say minds twice like that have been <laughs> 
Addled by fear-obsessed media. Correct. That is correct. <laughs> to back their claim, these advocates point to the fact that overall crime rates in Vancouver have been decreasing for years. Again, also correct. But their arguments are flawed. The pandemic caused many people to work from home, which denied criminals opportunities to commit breaking handers <laughs> and auto th- Oh, my but, fucking God. But, but wait. <laughs> if homeless people are causing this crime... Then, then what does that have to do with being at home during the pandemic? They were like, they, they don't don't have home, homes. Dude. That's why they're homeless. No one. Yeah, they're only breaking into. But it's because no, it's like the home isn't empty for you to oh, be. Oh, I see. I yeah, see. They're saying because everyone's working from home, they're just no one's robbing houses. More severe crimes have spiked, particularly around homeless encampments. Over the past few months near the Hastings Street encampment, there was a 45% increase in serious assaults and assaults involving weapons, as well as a 60% increase in weapons offenses. As these severe crimes account for only a small minority of total crime, these spikes have had less of an impact on aggregate numbers. The crime wave is real. Don't let anyone mislead you otherwise. But how do people think it's being handled? The Angus poll shows that 90% of Vancouverites feel that the municipal government has done either a poor job (laughs) or a very poor job on homelessness and poverty, and 70% similarly disapprove of how the government is handling crime and safety. The Ledger poll is similarly weathering. In BC, 8% say the government's actions on homelessness are making things better, while 20% say the government is making things worse. Uh, Again, it's like this thing, he's doing this thing where he's conflating being concerned about homelessness with being concerned about violence caused by homelessness. Like you can, like there's different ways of being concerned about homelessness and he's not distinguishing between the two. No, no. It's, it's because he's afraid of homeless people. Right. And so he just assumes that everybody else is. And I mean, this, this is like a very like emotionally driven piece. Like I just a quick search. The word feel is in this column 20 times. Crucially, both polls show a strong appetite for tackling the root causes of homelessness. The Angus, the Angus poll asked whether police funding should be put towards social supports, i.e. mental health housing, or increased policing in high-crime neighborhoods. The survey showed that 70% of Vancouverites chose social support investments over increased policing. This may imply low support for policing, but that's only because the poll presented social welfare and extra policing as mutually exclusive <laughs> options. God damn it. In contrast, Ledger's poll didn't frame these two sets of solutions as mutually exclusive. And as a result, there is a significantly higher support for policing, for both policing and social welfare. People didn't want to be forced to choose between one or the other. They wanted both. A lot of assumptions in that paragraph. The Ledger results show that overwhelming majorities of British Columbians want additional funding for mental health, shelters, and homeless targeted employment programs. And at the same time, British Columbians wanted more policing, including in areas experiencing homelessness, and generally supported the use of police to clear home. Well, they got what they're, they're getting what they fucking want. Yeah. Uh, this is I also like as an aside, like the VPDs is getting money up the wazoo now. So, yeah, well, that's what happens when your union, uh, uh, so called union. Uh, buys the election. Um, yeah, also, awesome stuff. Uh, using police to support uh, to clear homeless encampments is a pet cause of uh, Zivos. Interestingly, yes. which has uh, less significantly less support than all the other options. There's a lot of sets of numbers in this fucking thing. I'm gonna not read the numbers anymore because I hate saying them. <laughs> yeah, they're all in brackets now, so I think you're good. 
this approach makes sense. There's nothing inconsistent about simultaneously supporting increased policing and more investment in social programs. Keeping communities, particularly low-income ones, safe from crime is a social justice issue. So is addressing the root cause of homelessness. Evidently, most British Columbians especially feel that the two go hand in hand. In July, the Vancouver Police Department, VPD, published statistics about 44 then-recent cases of stranger attacks. Mental health was a factor in 73% of these attacks, and 53% of the cases involved an individual who had previously been apprehended under the Mental Health Act. However, 60% of the attackers had previously been charged with violent crimes, and 40 suspects involved in the survey had over 3,800 prior interactions with the police. Of which half were with the – well, that's because the police are racist and hate poor people and probably just kept uh, – anyway. No, you're right. Um, it's also like – Harassing. They harass the same people over and fucking over again is why they had prior interactions. Like, Yeah. Yeah. It's like in, there's, in the same neighborhood. They're you know down on Hastings in Vancouver. Yeah. They published statistics about 44 cases of strangers attacking. This is this is about forty four attacks. He said ten percent of people got punched in the head. These kinds of numbers make it clear that more investment in mental health is sorely needed. That could and should include institutionalizing individuals who are dangerously mentally ill and repeatedly commit violent offenses. Yet they also illustrate the case for more policing. <laughs> if a small number of individuals, I mean, the thing you also just said is policing. Like the thing you just said in the pre- previous paragraph is put is. Is that is policing? It has not stopped anything. Fucking Christ! If a small number of individuals feel can repeatedly commit violent crimes, remain this is just like also just like eighties like tough on crime shit. Yeah, Uh, commit violent crimes, remain on the streets, and BC's justice system is broken until the province pulls itself together and commits to separating violent offenders from the public. Whether that be oh my god, whether that be in jails or mental health asylums, more police will be needed on the like on the ground to keep the police. He really just ends with like. No, we should be putting homeless people either in jail or in the hospital. Yeah. Is like just straight up like his end. Some awesome comments on here too. Oh, are there? Yeah. Someone just finished. This is from a guy named Ben Mills. (laughs) Somebody just finished the statistics module on their online journalism course. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. That's awesome. Shout out Ben Mills. That's a, that's a rare insult. It's so good. Um, I mean, this is this is the worst column that this show has ever dealt with, and part of it is like just the uh, the shotgun approach to using numbers, and then just like hoping that you know your eyes glaze over and you don't pay attention to what this is about. And really, it is yeah. it's it's a call for more policing, and it's a call to criminalize homelessness. Right? It's so lazy, and it's like so incredibly shitty. It's hack and it's like nothing new. It's like I've heard all these arguments a thousand times from like this. Diff- there was a thing. There's an incident here during our last uh, provincial election. Actually, this oddly enough, the same place. I'm staring at the building right now. Let's tie it back to the intro. This is the building that Popeye from the cribbage tournament lived in. But during our last provincial election, that building had a polling station in it. And there was a woman... And this is like a low-income building. Like, it's not public. I don't think it's public housing, and it's not quite assisted living, but it's, like, low-income, mostly older people. And uh, there was a woman on Twitter, like a local woman, who's a lawyer, who was complaining during the election that while she was waiting at the polling station, there were people standing by her car and cursing and telling her not to vote. 
and that made her feel unsafe. But they're just like the re- like the poor people who live in this fucking building, right? And she was just like openly complaining. Everyone kind of roasted her for it, but she's just like openly complaining that like she had to see poor people while voting and like bothered her. Um, and it's like that is just sort of like how all these people feel. And this is like a person who ostensibly like on the rest of her post is like you know, like reasonably left of center, but like was still this upset at having to witness like, pe- like people standing near her car, basically like bothered her. Right. And brought like in broad daylight, like with hundreds of other people around. Yeah. It's like this weird assumption that, you know, that space belongs to you because you have more money than the other people around you. Right. Like, like that somehow these people existing near you is, is an assault on your, on your well being or like an invasion of your personal space. I think one reason people are so afraid of homeless people is because shitheads like Adam Zevo write idiotic columns like this, reinforcing this idea that poor people, uh, racialized people, unhoused people are a threat uh, inherently. And then just say, look, here's, here's the data. And even if it's totally shit data, what is that? I mean, People read that and they're not freaks like us. So they don't like know who these people who are telling them uh, this is. And are just like, oh, wow, I should be really scared of uh, of the unhoused. And, you know, it just becomes a cycle, a self-perpetuating cycle. Yeah, like this is the kind of thing that's like, I mean, this this reporting's one. It's like one step removed from like. Being like, if you see like something under your car in the parking lot, it means you're being like followed and you're going to be human trafficked. Like it's, it's like that exact level of, of fear mongering. And it's, it's like, it's bad. Like I bet, I bet this thing got shared a lot on Facebook. Uh, oh my God. Like in the, like the neighborhood community groups and stuff. Yeah. Like Vancouver yeah, like- suburbs. It got, it got pretty roundly panned on twitter which was quite nice but i mean i guess i i live in a specific twitter space that, you're in a bubble yeah, yeah i'm in my my lefty echo chamber but i did see adam you know really struggling with uh <laughs> with the mean words people were saying to him which was great to see jeremy you brought up the data set before or the data sets that uh that zevo was using throughout this piece do you have any idea how many times he used the percentage sign in this piece god it was 70 there's 70 there's 70 70 percentages used punishing <laughs> it's literally like an assault on the the reader but also not cp style yeah it's just math can't argue with math <laughs> you can't argue with math it's 73 percent. the the face punch ratio you know this is the worst thing ever and i mean i'm no i'm no data journalism expert but like this isn't data journalism. This is this is just like an excuse to you know do eugenics on hu- like homeless people, right? Yeah, it's just mow them down, get them out of my sight, throw them in jail, put them in like um like a rubber room, I guess. Like the the bringing up asylum at the end was actually pretty fucking brutal. Yeah, there is a there was a particular phrase he used that I've seen a few times in reporting on this stuff. Is the is the the phrase stranger attacks. And I've seen it just come up a lot in the last year, specifically in Vancouver. And I, I, it's like a very curious parlance, like 
straight there this this call them stranger attacks like any kind of like random violence and even that is like uh, it's like really lead like this thing's full of leading language but like that's a like horrific turn of phrase because it just tells you that like anyone you don't know is like I don't know. It's like stranger danger for grownups. <laughs> that's, that's what it feels like. That's why I started laughing when I heard That's it. what this whole thing is. This is all just that. This is all like, don't get in a van if you're like 37. Yeah. People you don't know will hurt you, which is like a crazy thing to just publish out in the world because, I mean, I think we're all adults and I think that, you know, we can handle ourselves in public spaces, but uh this this really plays up on the the conservative idea that you know society is actually kind of a bad thing and people are all animals and yeah and you know you got to get away from people you got to get yourself like a heavy duty security system and maybe a couple machetes for the home just in case some racist dogs <laughs> I could you imagine writing this in Kiev and just like uh thinking that you like hit your masterpiece Odessa yeah, yeah, he's uh, in Odessa. My which mistake. Is even, yeah, <laughs> like that. But that's the best part of this. Like, it, he could literally be writing. Like, like he could literally go outside and find something way more interesting to write about. But he's a little piggy who can't help himself. He's in a war zone. <laughs> he's literally in a war zone. Like, literally in a war zone. <laughs> just like Vancouver. Just like the downtown <laughs> side. <laughs> I wish she had said something that like Vancouver is more dangerous than <laughs> than Ukraine. Oh my god! Yeah, I don't like this. The strange thing is, I feel like he wouldn't even go that low. But like, I mean, give it time, right? Like, if he keeps writing culture war pieces from coffee shops in Ukraine, like only a matter of time before he drops something that bad. He's such a like. It's so I don't know. I don't. I don't. I kind of can't. I, I think it's this being on this shitty website, I think is interesting because I think it portends something bad for him. <laughs> like, I don't think, I don't think he's going to have a long, I don't think he's a good enough writer to have a long career. Right. Like he doesn't have that, that special something that, you know, someone like uh, Rex Murphy can, uh, you know, enrage people with. Like this thing was a slog just to read. Like it was like, boring it's like boring and stupid and i think even if you agreed with him it's like if you were looking at this to like reify the thing you believed i think it would even be just like it's like you would go like you just would go cross-eyed reading it yeah yeah like you would get to the headline and be like oh that's good enough yeah and i i just can't see i don't think he's gonna i i also think he seems like the kind of guy i think he's gonna get bored of journalism i don't think he's gonna be I don't know. Well, he's like a PR guy, right? Or like he's like a yeah. uh, like he's a content producer. Yeah, exactly. He's a content creator. <laughs> Fuck, he's so, I I just don't think he's good. He doesn't he doesn't have the will of the warrior. I don't think. No, no, and I I also feel like I mean the people that stick around in journalism or or, or like in punditry are usually like. They're a grittier version of a piece of shit, right? Like you get someone like a Christy Blatchford who can just like stick around forever. Yeah, like Blatchford was at least like like she wasn't like she was a like she was like galling and <laughs> yes. like how offensive and yes. like and like she was cruel. And this is this piece is cruel, but it's like it's flavorless. Like there's no 
there's no like personality. I, I found that with all his writing, it's like it has no. There's nothing about it that is like specific to him, other than it being like boring, which you can't really like slide on. It, it's boring and it's like crime against journalism, right? Like it's it's technically not good. And I mean, we read a lot of bad writers on this show. We read Conrad Black, who has never met an adjective he didn't love, right? Um, but they're like, all bad. They're all so bad at writing. But I think Zevo is like uniquely shameless in how bad he is at writing and, and, and just like interpreting data. Yeah. Well, it's like the the amount of care that went into this piece was like absolutely zero. There's alignment issues on the, the picture. There's obvious typos. Like he used homeless instead of homelessness. He... Uh, I mean, this is this is a you know deep cut, but he used the percent sign instead of writing percent in CP style. Like he doesn't know how to do the thing. He's just kind of like pretending, and this is like this is a pretend culture warrior doing like it's, it's kind of larping as a journalist, right? Like there's not yeah there's not really anything to this, and I mean that's probably why like the response out of us four is just like. What the fuck was that? This sort of sentiment right now, like we had said, this is, you know, a very American talking point right now, but it is like, I haven't seen a lot of it in Halifax yet. I think, um, aside from like the woman being mad about voting or whatever, but like there was a recent, um, there was a CBC piece a few weeks ago about like musicians in St. John's calling for like more policing on George street at night because they felt like there was like an an increase in violence there. And it's like, this is a weird, it's just so funny after like the last two or three years of these like sort of protracted calls for like decreasing policing that we're seeing it really, we're seeing like the swing back now and, and like not, not even from people who are necessarily right wing, I guess about like other things. Like you've got to assume if it's like, I don't know. It's like a weird, it's very strange. And maybe there was like inevitability to it just because like, that's the dialectic or whatever. But like, it's a, it's a weird thing to see people say like, actually we need, we need more cops now. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there, there are like a lot of societal reasons why people are panicking like this and one is i mean the media ecosystem is incredibly toxic and i mean there's people in the countryside that are afraid to go into cities these days because of the things that they've heard um which is i mean pathetic like you guys should grow up the city's fine no I, good stay the fuck out <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah yeah and on top of that people are doing worse than they were a couple of years ago Serb has been done for over two years now we're not getting any help from the government they have very 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 clearly shown that we are not all in this together. The healthcare system is failing. The food bank lineup outside, uh, like in my neighborhood, it stretches two blocks in the morning. Thing, yeah. Things are really, really bad. And I mean, I think people can kind of intuitively pick up on that. But then when the solution is the homelessness is out of control, we got to arrest them all. That's not the correct answer. Maybe it's that we should support people who are in need. So that they aren't uh, being people crushed in, by our economic system. People in this country need to be more mad at like rich freaks, even like kind of moderately rich freaks. I, I'm just still dwelling on how he goes from 
look, the majority of people in Vancouver uh, think that uh, police uh, need to arrest more people and that we need more social supports, which is why police need to arrest more people like that. <laughs> like that is just an, an incredible uh, leap um, that he takes. And uh, I'm sure it makes total sense to him because like he just lives in a world where homeless people scary. Right. That's that's all this is. That's it. He's afraid of he's just afraid of homeless people. Adam, if you are listening to this, um, congratulations for getting through your column. It was fucking horrible. And I, honestly, Andrew, I'm so sorry that we made you read that. And Adam, if you're listening, please come on the podcast. We just want to talk. Yeah, we just want to talk. Yeah, we uh, just want to talk about I'm ideas. Sh- I'm sure you're fun. Like, I'm sure he's like fun to party with. Like, yeah, I don't know. He's just a weird. It's weird that we got these like guys now who are kind of like for lack of a better word like woke right wing guys in a weird way like it's like come support my like lgbt maybe not t my lgb <laughs> uh <laughs> like advocacy group uh but also like we need war all the time yeah that that, <laughs> and, that actually uh, reminds me of a point i want to make because these people are always crying about how diversity initiatives are only focused on like superficial, like gender and race diversity and are, are, are exclude like uh, ideological diversity, which what they mean is like right wing uh, yeah, uh, opinions. Yeah. But um, Adam Zivo and uh, Rupa uh, Subramaniam at, at the National Post. I mean, that's exactly the the function they serve. It's literally to put this diverse veneer on the same uh, right wing uh, drivel that uh, you could read from like any like cis white guy. Yeah, no, it, it's like Adam Token or Adam Zivo is the token gay of the National Post, right? They use him to launder a whole bunch of anti-LGBT talking points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and Jamil Giovanni, and I mean, literally, they're um, guilty of the very same thing they accuse, like, this amorphous woke mob of doing. Everyone does that now, right? It's like, it is the, I guess, just like, it's just the language now, or just like how you have to function, and like, everyone is willing to play that game. And they were never unwilling to. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and the the McDonald Laurier Institute, which uh, you know Eric wrote a piece recently, sort of critiquing, um, is uh, you know serving up a pipeline of these like identity politics crazed freaks that are just saying, "Oh well, I'm indigenous and I support pipelines." So yeah. really makes you think, you know, and it's lazy, it's superficial, and it, but it, it does work. It, is the thing I think there are enough sort of like well intent well enough intentioned like liberals who are like you know who see that and they're like oh well if this person said it and i'm told like that you know identity is the sort of the trump card in any argument then like i guess it's fine like it's a really it's cynical but like i i it it does it's like it's like it's obviously harmful and it's so much harder to argue against that though too like it's like yes well, it also like it's, a, it's the trap card. It is a trap card. It's um, it's it plays 
on people's uh, poor understanding, like their incredibly shallow understanding of identity politics. But I mean, if it worked for Coca-Cola, it should be able to work for the pundits at the National Post, right? Like for anyone to think that, you know, the (laughs) the richest beverage company in the world really gives a shit about diversity initiatives and isn't just looking or looking out for their bottom line. I mean, Coca-Cola makes a far better product than the National Post. Like, let's, <laughs> it's, it's, let's like not let's not get fucked up on that. Like they make an they make awesome drinks. Hey, we all love Coca-Cola here. We're sponsored by Coke. You know, and you know they may maybe kill some some union leaders in Colombia, but you know, you gotta. <laughs> have you guys had Diet Coke? It's awesome and it's good for you. Yeah, I drink that garbage. <laughs> it's, yeah, <laughs> um, we we should transition out from this uh this Adam Zevo post or Adam Zevo. Yeah, I hate it. Worst thing we've ever read on the show. I'll I'll say it. Um, I'm speaking for the show right now. I don't know if Marino and Jeremy feel any differently, but I won't object. Worst of all time, Jeremy. Yeah, I'd say it's the woat. It's woated. <laughs> it's woated. <laughs> Sick. Okay, well. Andrew, we've made it to the part of the show where we try and forget the absolute drivel that we just read, and we suggest things to our listeners that we wrote or we read or we experienced in the last little bit that we think that they should. Um, we call it plugs and wrecks, and we just kind of go one by one, and we we pick things that you know weren't shitty that people will actually enjoy. I'll let Jeremy go first. Jeremy, you got anything? Uh, yeah, I've been, uh, listening to this band, um, a lot recently called Metallica. <laughs> have you guys heard of them? Yeah, they're, they're pretty, yeah, they're pretty new, but, but they're good. I, I, I like them. I, I see, I see big things, uh, coming for them in, in the future. Uh, maybe like, you know, some, uh, some, you know, music videos that do well on YouTube, you know, that sort of thing. Metallica. <laughs> yeah, check them out. <laughs> They're on Spotify. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, how about you, Marino? Anything good? You know, I've been, I've been, I've been gaming a lot recently i've been social online overwatch Bro. overwatch 1.5 came out uh that's overwatch 2 but uh it's clearly just the same game with a few tweaks i'm not complaining uh the new call of duty it's getting a lot of criticism they're i guess modern warfare or sort of uh, battlefield Warzone. that's what it's called they're uh, battle royale format uh, but i don't know i don't notice the difference because i suck and then, uh, yeah, I don't know that mostly that watching sports, very, not, not, not a lot of, uh, high level media consumption, but, uh, it's been busy at work and, uh, stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. Awesome. Well, Andrew, I'm going to pass it over to you. Yeah. Um, I want to shout out my lawyer, yes. uh, Kareem Asad, <laughs> uh, for getting me out of some trouble recently. <laughs> um, I- <laughs> I want to. Uh, what's some other? Uh, shout out Avatar Two coming out soon. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm excited. Oh, me too. I'm, uh, I'm seeing it on the big screen. Oh yeah, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get real fucked up for that movie. Uh, I'm gonna shout out uh, Meng Meng Zhou, uh from Huawei. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She beat the charges. Uh, Meng Innocent. I always knew she was. Um, so think happy she's our precious two Michaels got caught up in all this. 
this is some bullshit, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I have, there's nothing I've really been, there's not a lot I've really been like consuming that I like lately. Really, in a real like hate consumption thing where I just only, uh, just dog really shit all I the time. Like hey, man, it. you should listen to Metallica. <laughs> yeah, you should yeah, check I never like, there is this, I had this, bu- like, one of, my, one of my bullies in junior high is this guy named Travis who, like, was so into Metallica. And I just, like, I think because he was mean to me, I just could never, I could never really do it. I could never really get into Metallica. You couldn't separate the two. Yeah. No. Um, I've been listening to a lot of Christmas music lately. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. If anyone has any su- suggestions, like, uh, it's like a really cool kind of music, and I'd love to hear more stuff like it. There's a Christmas song I'm thinking of right now. It's a, it's a song called uh, Santa Spaceship, actually. It's by a band called... Uh, it's a wicked song. By Penhorn Summer. Has anybody heard oh, this yeah. band before? Yeah. I, yeah, they're like a local band. Yeah, I've I've been hearing good things, though. Yeah, actually, I recommended the uh, new Penhorn record on my newsletter Um called the orchard which you should also though i know if you're listening you probably subscribe and love me but uh if you don't uh you should yeah shout out to penhorn um also bob dylan's uh christmas album i think is uh it's very polarizing uh record but i think his version of must be santa is unreal i've got a couple other recommendations if you guys would indulge me for a couple seconds Uh one i actually published a piece somewhere um, it was a data journalism piece that I didn't use anybody's feelings in it. Um, <laughs> Did it you was... make charts that were a bit <laughs> off center? <laughs> no, I used a map. I had an interactive map that I made in JavaScript, though. Uh, it's called The Myth of Affordable Housing in Toronto. And in the in the piece, I web scraped Kijiji in a single evening. and I took hundreds and hundreds of listings and I applied the CMHC's definition of affordable housing, which is 30% of your monthly uh, income before tax, and I I went and I calculated how many of the units that I that were listed on Kijiji were actually affordable for someone making minimum wage full time. And out of the six hundred plus units that I found, unique listings I found on Kijiji, only six of them would be considered um, affordable. So that that's on the hoser. Uh, wow. It's a. Uh, it's really good in Toronto right now. It is so good, and I I think about that a lot. Uh, <laughs> that's a housing piece that one did not uh, demonize homeless people, and to use numbers that didn't sit in a Venn diagram that uh, indicated the punched in the face ratio. So check that out. Second, I got two recommendations from um, two different Michaels, not the ones that you're thinking of, but the first one is from Michael Spratz in Canadian Lawyer Mag. It's oh, yeah, dubious... I, I read that all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't, really? This piece is called uh, Dubious Crime Statistics, A Disturbing Trend of Police and Media Misleading the Public. The deck is police will tell you crime is up, but the actual numbers don't back up their self-serving analysis. Maybe, Adam, if you're still listening, you can uh, you can check that one out for your next column. Then, I mean, this is a little bit more self-indulgent, but uh, on the next Press Progress Sources episode, uh, which I produce for Press Progress, Michael Jans, the city councilor in Edmonton, was on talking about the police budgets and issues with the police trying to become like sort of like a one-stop shop 
you know, going past law enforcement and getting into social work and getting into other things that they don't really need to be in. And it is a is a fascinating discussion. You should check out that podcast if you can and tell everyone you like it because then they'll keep employing me as a producer. Oh, I actually have a I actually have a real suggestion, but it's maybe just for Jeremy. Um, maybe maybe if any other Edmonton listeners are listening. Um, so there's an awesome thing you can do in Edmonton called Purple City. And Purple City is when you go to the led the provincial legislature building at night. <laughs> and there's these there's these big light fixtures that light up the outside of the building pointing up and you stand over them and you stare directly into the bulb until you can see the filament. And then when you look up and look at the the beautiful landscape of Edmonton, the city, everything is purple. Um, it's the thing kids in Edmonton do called Purple City. And the first time I ever went to Edmonton, everyone insisted that I do it. Changed my life. <laughs> I'm going to do that. That sounds like a great idea. I would suggest. But I was also like gonzo hide my out of my mind and like immediately afterwards saw a bunch of just like rabbits jumping around and i was like whoa like this is like house fucking wonderland uh an edmonton so yeah purple city uh check it out but i'm sure you know what if you live in a different city other than edmonton you got a bright light stare, <laughs> stare directly into it and just see what happens you know uh, you might you might <laughs> learn something. You might you might see the world a whole new way. I don't know if it'll be as good though. Like purple, no, it won't be as good as Purple City. <laughs> purple City I, sounds that, incredible. That reminds me of for some reason of when. Do you remember when there was that eclipse and Donald Trump uh, stared at it without sunglasses? Yeah, he's a visionary. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, Joey Badass did too, and he had to like cancel the rest of his tour. Oh, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well. Andrew, you uh, you got through the worst piece I think we've ever done on this show, and uh, we really appreciate you coming the worst on. Worst piece, best guy, best guy. Oh, um, that's you, you are, not Adam Zemo. Yeah. Not Adam. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> you're the best guy. Um, I'd like to extend, uh, you know, the official title, friend of the institute, uh, friends of the big shiny take institute. That is. No, come on. He's a fellow. He's a senior. He's fellow. He's a senior fellow. Okay. Yeah. Okay, we'll talk later. But he's a we'll researcher. Send- yeah, yeah, he's yeah, a, the yeah, man's yeah. researcher. We can figure it out. Yeah, uh, but you're always welcome back. This was an absolute blast. Thank you for. Uh- oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. All right, bye, 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 bye. It's big shiny takes the only anti-free speech podcast. Big shiny takes reading garbage for your brain. It's Big Shiny Takes with Jeremy, Eric, and Marino. Big Shiny Takes are sure to entertain, are sure to entertain.